Hello, everyone, and welcome to Here I See podcast. They will be interviewing Rain Howe or Rain or Shine Project. She is a former foster kid advocating for current foster kids with her project called Rain or Shine. So let's get started. All right, you can introduce yourself now. Uh, hi, my name's Rain. Um, I have uh, my project, which is called the Rain or Shine Project. Um, I'm a former foster kids. Uh, I aged out when I was 21, so I took the extended care. Um, and yeah, now I help raise funds to give foster kids kind of like health necessities and things like that. Heck yeah. I'm currently in the extended program. Nice. <laughs> Take advantage, full um, advantage. <laughs> I was going to do the housing voucher, but they said I can only have you one or the other. So yeah. ah, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Got to pick or choose. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we can get started if you're ready. Yeah, for sure. All right. So what age did you enter into the system? Um, I think I was around seven. Okay. I don't, I'm, I'm still waiting to get all of my uh, records. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been three years since I've asked. So I don't fully know all the details, but that's when I think it was. <laughs> it's been three years since you asked? Yeah, yeah. The vetting process is taking mm-hmm. so long. And I thought, you know, I heard like horror stories in the States of it taking a while, but I was like, maybe Canada might be a bit different. Um, but I think it's just the staffing shortage, honestly. Oh, I went through my attorney. Oh, smart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so what was the stuff that like led to you being in the system? Yeah. Um, pretty much just, uh, whack pile of neglect (laughs) um for my brother and I it's kind of the classic um foster kid story I guess uh uh, it wasn't like super horrible I guess for me but there definitely was some abuse and things that happened and essentially went to school um we had a breakfast club there and I would show up every single morning and my brother would kind of show up with me. Um, and obviously that's a big red flag for teachers if a student is showing up every single day. Um, and they actually started opening it for lunch so that we could show up too. So mm-hmm. I think they purposely did that to see if we would show up and mm-hmm. we did. <laughs> um, so yeah, they, they called for us. Um, and for myself, I'm entirely grateful for it. Um, mm. Looking back, it, it wasn't a good situation. <laughs> so what have you learned from your experience as a foster kid? Um, learned that I am strong as hell, you know, like I, I don't, I don't like thanking anybody for my success. Um, like I, I did it but it's shown that I can do this stuff. And um, yeah, and just the system does suck, honestly. Like that is a huge thing I've learned as well. Um, Again, I'm one of the lucky ones that the system worked more so for me than a lot of others. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's definitely, there's still still a lot of corrupt in the system. So 
um, yeah, learn that. <laughs> what is one like, so you're in Canada, right? Yeah, I am. Yes. So what is one thing you've noticed that is different between the Canada system and then the system in America, if you have noticed anything? Um, not sure, actually. Um, this is going to be one of the long pauses. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Take your time. Try to remember what I was talking to. Oh, I guess kind of like moving state to state is, I've heard that it's really tricky to bring foster kids across a state line. Mm -hmm. Whereas for Canada, we could cross like a borderline with no problem from, at least from what I've had. Um, of course, if we enter into the States, we always needed permission uh, from the social workers and the written letter to give to the border patrol. But um, yeah, I've heard that it's really tricky to kind of move yeah. between, <laughs> which yeah. I think is a huge difference. <laughs> yeah, I had a sister who was moving from um, Arizona to South Dakota and it took her like nine months. Oh, wow. Yeah, and now she's trying to come back. <laughs> all over again <laughs> yeah um let's see I also am running out of questions because I had like a few set ones and then I was just gonna go off you know um were you and your brother like together the entire time through the system or no no not at all <laughs> started off that way and then um the one foster home I was in it was just he's a lot he was a lot <laughs> I don't want to give too much of his own story mm -hmm. especially because we don't we don't talk anymore mm -hmm. um, but yeah it, he was a lot to handle so the foster parent was like no he needs to get out of here um the home that I'm I'm still with honestly they um they tried taking him in after I lived with them for a few years because they they truly do believe that like siblings should be together mm -hmm. which is a huge thing like they should be um and so they did give it a go but I'm <laughs> kind of the one that ruined it I'm not gonna lie I because when growing up I I had to take care of my brother right mm -hmm. so um I still felt the need to take care of him even when we had parents to do it for us um I feel like that might be, you know, an older sibling thing for a lot of, a lot of kids that kind of go through that too. Um, mm -hmm. Just feel like you need to constantly take care of them and parent them. Um, so it was really tricky. I couldn't, I couldn't stop myself from doing it. My, my dad would be like, okay, stop getting involved in the argument now. <laughs> and I'd be like, I can't, I can't help it. Like <laughs> he needs to stop arguing. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it, he, he ended up having to leave the house. Um, and from there he went to a group home cause no one else, um, was willing to take him, which was really unfortunate. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I, I really couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around not parenting him, unfortunately. Parentified children. Yeah. So common in the foster system. So common. <laughs> it, I couldn't even like went to therapy to try to help it. It just did not work. No. <laughs> it's just like where you felt your purpose was yeah pretty much yeah needed to protect him and um yeah <laughs> um what is one thing that you like um 
would pass on to like a foster kid right now? Like advice. Oh, it gets better. It does eventually. You just, there's a lot of shit that you deal with. Right. And it's so, it's so common, but you're not alone. Um, there's people that you can find, especially with social media, how insane it is now. And, um, huge huge demographic on tiktok obviously (laughs) um you can find anybody and you can talk to anybody about your issues and and feel like you're you're not alone in the world and there's always resources even if they're hard to find Mm -hmm. and then again that's where social media comes in handy um there's so many kids that aren't aware of the extended foster care because there's they're um, social workers are lazy and they decide not to tell them or um they're being told not to try to tell um the kids about it so that the system saves money you know Mm -hmm. so um yeah always always push to look for that take advantage of everything that's out there for you um like like in Canada here I think the states has a bit of it but in Canada for sure we had um essentially my secondary education was taken care of Mm -hmm. entirely because I was a foster kid I had to choose um from a certain set of schools though um that did the sponsorship but it was fine I I did do it but I wouldn't have known about that if I didn't push for it mm-hmm. um, so it's it there's there's definitely lots of things especially when you're getting older and aging out of the system um so definitely just look for everything <laughs> how many homes were you in um I think six that number is always ring a, ring a bell. So I <laughs> can't fully remember. Some of it is a blur. <laughs> Were there like good homes and bad homes both or like? Um, yeah, like my first one was really good. Um, her name's Georgette. I don't think she's alive anymore. She's very old. Um, and the last time I did see her, she was, she was looking really, really rough. Um, she was lovely and she was like grandma and mm-hmm. she tried her hardest <laughs> but <laughs> very first home you know so we definitely tried to push the boundaries to her mm-hmm. um stole stuff you know acted out at school um ye- yelled at them did a bunch of stuff but I definitely have good memories from them um they didn't abuse us or do anything um yeah definitely some bad homes though for sure <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like you can't really go into the system without getting some bad home. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) And like the home that I'm, I'm still with. So essentially I'm, I'm working through a adult adoption still. It's kind of complicated because I, Mm -hmm. I live in Alberta and um, my family lives in Ontario. So kind of difficult with the courts and getting lawyers and stuff to kind of finalize the adult adoption I think I have to go home for a bit to actually um settle it I just who has time for that right now Mm -hmm. um but yeah with them they were great um but the foster mom she's out of the picture now she um and my daughter essentially divorced I don't know if it's fully finalized but anyways she wasn't good (laughs) um dad is fantastic obviously I'm I'm with him I brag about him all the time he's he's like my hero I look up to him such a good role model but yeah the foster mom um she was definitely emotionally abusive and 
um, very emotionally abusive to him as well and to uh, their own biological daughter. Um, again, don't want to give too much of their own personal yeah, yeah. story, but I have talked about it a little bit, so I don't think they mind too much. Um, but yeah, it just, no one, no one could see it, but since I was an outsider coming in, I saw it constantly. Um, mm-hmm. and once it finally, finally happened and it happened in such a dramatic traumatic way for especially for my sister and um their adopted brother adopted brother as well um it's yeah very traumatic and and they finally started to realize all the things that were happening and I I told them stories and they're like oh I'm so sorry like we had no idea (laughs) I was like no of course not like I wasn't about to tell you you were you wouldn't have believed me you were in the middle of it like you you couldn't see it (laughs) thing about a lot of abuse like people people can't see it Mm -hmm. Um, and they're just so used to it yeah yeah but I think like especially being fought in foster care and you get so used to seeing it and hearing it I feel like we're very good at noticing it Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah more so than a lot of other people yeah that's how I feel I'm like I've seen so many different parenting types that I know exactly what I'm gonna do what I'm not gonna do if I ever have kids <laughs> yeah which I probably won't to be honest but like if I do I know exactly how I'm gonna raise <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> pros and cons like, honestly like us as a whole generation and being in foster care we would be the best parents <laughs> mm-hmm. I think foster kids will always make the best parents just because yeah they've seen so many things and they want to like change it yeah. or they just want to forget it. There's like the two types of foster kids. <laughs> one true. wants to forget it and the other one's on TikTok. So <laughs> we're on TikTok. <laughs> That's where I'm finding all the people I'm interviewing like TikTok. Oh good. Yeah. It's a good source. <laughs> yeah. I interviewed um, my three plus me. Yeah. Who is a TikToker. I interviewed Miss Lisa Pisa, who's right. also a TikToker. Yeah. <laughs> They're okay. all there. I'm just like, hell yeah. <laughs> Get keep it coming. Yeah, keep it coming. <laughs> I love these stories just because I feel like there's such a like a I don't know, like an understanding between like foster kids to foster kids. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's yeah, like our own little world. Yeah, yeah. Even if our stories are so different, you know, mm-hmm. like we can all connect in some sort of way because we all have like PTSD and all this trauma (laughs) dealing with. And um, yeah, even as 24 year old, I'm still have so much childhood trauma I'm going through right now. (laughs) Capable parents club. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So what inspires you to start reaching out and like um, creating a foundation for other foster kids? Yeah. Um, essentially like, I mean, just going through the system and then Mm -hmm. I did a lot more research of it, um, when I was kind of more so aging out and realized that there isn't a ton of like support, um, for us. And, and uh, so many people don't actually know about the system. They might've heard of it, Mm-hmm. but they don't actually realize what it entails and mm-hmm. um kind of before I was starting it I did I did a survey around um the Bow Valley where I live right now and uh um really just kind of 
asked if anyone knows about it or if they've heard about it and I've actually connected with some foster kids that that live here currently too so that was super cool Mm -hmm. um but yeah a lot of people had no idea they've never heard about it um some people I worked with said that they had some kids in their school but they never asked them or realized what was really happening um so that really shouted to me that you know you should get this out there more and Mm -hmm. and be like just explain what foster care is and all the trauma that comes from it so people are more understanding and and I mean it's not that people aren't understanding about it especially when you start talking about it and they realize Mm -hmm. oh shit like this is this is deep stuff Mm -hmm. um they are definitely understanding but a lot of people just don't they're not aware of what happens you know and um yeah it's just not talked about enough yeah so many of us and it's just not talked about enough it needs to be talked talked more about yeah it's because some of the people that I went through it don't even don't even want to talk about it no yeah which is I had that problem here I was trying to get more people to like let me share their story and and raise their voice you know and Mm -hmm. a lot of them just didn't want to and I get it I, I completely understand like it's your story. If you don't want to share it, it's fine. Like it's traumatic. It's, it's hard to share. <laughs> um, but yeah, then you have people like us that are like, yeah, I, I want to, I want to share all about it and make people hear us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy how, um, people, I think they just talk about the system for like a day or two and then it's like, it never happened. Yeah. It doesn't stick with anyone. Yeah, exactly. Unless they've like experienced it firsthand or are close to people who have. Yeah. Like I'm pretty lucky with my friend group because they all like want to know more. So it's been oh, good asking all the questions and stuff. Yeah. So. <laughs> so how long ago did you age out? Like you said you were 21. I Yeah, I'm 24 now. So oh, I aged okay. out when I was 21, like okay. officially. <laughs> So you asked, you requested records when you turned 21. Yeah, um, I requested them when I, yeah, yeah, pretty much like soon after that I requested it. Um, Cause I remember reaching out to um, my social worker. And oh just, yeah. There's your problem. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, actually though, my, my very first social worker, oh, she, she was a doll. I loved her. I still love her. I'm still in contact with her. She's, she's actually amazing. Um, it was the second one. So I don't know if it's like that in the States, but in, oh, Canada, yeah. um, once you turn into a crown ward or ward of the state, I guess for you guys, mm-hmm. um, you have to switch social workers. And, um, I wasn't aware of that when my brother and I became crown wards, but as soon as um, my social worker told us, we were freaking out, but she uh, postponed doing her paperwork for two years. She purposely kept us for an additional two years just because she didn't want to let us go, Um, which I I'm so thankful that she did that. And yeah, the, the second one I got was just she was a nightmare but the great thing about her is she played the system herself um unionized right so um she played it herself and got as much money as she could which means she helped me get as much money as I could 
<laughs> which was perfect. <laughs> um, so that was really the only way that she was great. <laughs> Other than that, we didn't get along um, like at all. And I, I dreaded having our plan of care meetings and all that stuff. And I'm like, I just don't want to meet with you. And I would <laughs> myself and be like, I have a huge exam coming up. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I had like five caseworkers. Oh, six, and I only had two good ones. The rest of them, they didn't do their job. No. <laughs> Seems to be the story more so than not, which is so unfortunate. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you're literally in this, you know, this job, this field in order to help us. And you just don't. Yeah. <laughs> like you sit on the sidelines and watch us suffer. <laughs> <laughs> While they bring in the money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like the system takes advantage of foster kids. And so now I have this mindset where I'm going to take advantage of the system that took advantage of Hell yeah. Yeah. As much as I can. Take it for everything it's worth, Mm -hmm. you know, like, um, I forget what it was called for me, but in Canada, I know that you can get, um, when you are in extended care, you get an allowance each month. (laughs) A stipend. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so essentially you can get up to a thousand dollars. Really? Really? Yeah. In Arizona, it's 1200 a month. Ah, <laughs> and it off. doesn't go down and it doesn't go down. It stays. That's so 1200 a month, every month until you turn 21. Okay. that see, that's a big difference from us, but it just became that. Okay. Okay. So before it was like $710 and it would like go down $60 or something every month that's or every weird. six months. That's so weird. So they just changed it. I was like, change it right as I enter. <laughs> Let's go. I wonder if it's changed here now then. Yeah, because you, you could get up to $1,000, but in order to get the full thousand, you had to technically be on, you had to be considered disabled. Mm. Um, well, I have glasses. Does that make count? <laughs> I know. Like, I'll just try to find something. <laughs> um, luckily, though, this is where my social worker was good. Um, got involved and she was like no she deserves the full thousand because when my brother and I entered the system uh because of our kind of our slight age difference he's a year younger Mm -hmm. uh the year that we entered they started um where they started giving foster kids kind of a certain amount that they put into an account each month like an RSVP I guess Mm -hmm. um, for school I didn't get one (laughs) Because I was just over the age limit. My brother was just in it. A year apart, that's it. Um, (laughs) So, which didn't make any sense. We're siblings. Mm -hmm. If you're going to give it to one, give it to both. Um, So yeah, my social worker argued to the end of the world for me um, to get me the full thousand. So I actually did get it, but (laughs) which was really great. Like super, I guess not thankful, you know what? Because I deserved it. (laughs) (laughs) taking them for what they're worth like you said (laughs) exactly exactly that's all you can do oh yeah so you have the rain or shine project right yeah that's okay i had to make sure that's what it's called put off (laughs) your name yeah so what do you guys actually like what do you guys do yeah um so main thing obviously is bringing awareness to it Mm -hmm. um I'm still not that large, but (laughs) that's okay. You know, if, 
if even 30 people like your post, if 30 people were in this room right now, I would be overwhelmed. So <laughs> that's how I think of it. But uh, yeah, really just bringing awareness to it, awareness to the different types of trauma that people don't realize that we end up still living with. Like, um, for example, food trauma. Uh, and this is one I was going to do a TikTok on. I still have food trauma um, in the sense where I, cause I didn't have a lot of food growing up and in some foster homes, they would, uh, actually Lock it. The cupboards. Yeah. Yeah. and I know that's so common, but like, how horrible is that? Um, and as soon as I got to the home I'm with now, they actually had a snack cupboard and they said, anytime you want one, you can go and get it. So great. Love that. Yes. Cabinet. Guard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My problem though, as soon as I got there, I was like, heck yeah, all this food, I went and devoured everything. (laughs) I gained so much weight within like two years. Everyone was so concerned about me. Obviously like who cares about weight, but like (laughs) I'm just hungry and like this food is here. I'm going to eat it. I'm going to take advantage of it. (laughs) And, but now as like, even as an adult, um, I constantly need to have food in my house. Like mm-hmm. I overstock things. I hoard things, obviously not like things that will go moldy or super bad. Mm-hmm. Cause I, um, my mother used to do that and that was really gross, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, like cans of tomato sauce and things like that. My husband gets so annoyed. Um, <sighs> And he's like, why did you need to buy 48 cans? You're going to thank me when you want pasta one day and you realize we have so much pasta sauce left and you don't need to run out and go get it. You're welcome. <laughs> um, it's, it's definitely, that, that's a hundred percent of food trauma thing. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel the need to hoard it and yeah, constantly. So bringing awareness to those type of things is so important and, um, it was funny even with my husband's um dad I guess my father-in-law now (laughs) (laughs) he didn't know about food trauma and I recently had the chance to explain that to him and it really opened his eyes actually and it it surprised me that he understood it and he might listen to this podcast and be like what are you even talking about um (laughs) 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 that's what's me right away um but yeah he he was like he looked at me he's like I'm so sorry you had to go through that it's like yeah see this is why I'm doing it so many people aren't aware they Uh really aren't and it if it can open his eyes it can literally open up anybody's and yeah that's really really like a huge part of it for me um and of course the other part is is uh don't uh like raising money and donating money um to get like hygiene items for kids Uh and and suitcases and backpacks and just like bags you know special trash bags yeah special trash bags like (laughs) yeah big big uh big necessities like that and um a lot of people don't realize that either we travel around with things in in a trash bag Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it makes us feel like trash and um yeah just just taking the trash out exactly um my one foster home was our, she gave me boxes. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's like, at least it's not a trash bag, but still it's not, it's not great. I would like my own suitcase. Um, but yeah, as soon as I moved in with the home I'm with now too, they, they gave me a suitcase, like pretty much the first month I moved in, which was great. 
So oh, wow. I think more foster parents need to be like that. And yeah. and yeah, essentially this is I, I give it to um social workers so then they can they can give it to foster parents. And, mm-hmm. um I've reached out to a few foster parents myself and and given them things and just say like first week. <laughs> Don't overwhelm them, but first mm-hmm. week. <laughs> yeah. Give it to them the first day they come and be like, we're leaving already. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bit hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, I think to, from my last foster home, I traveled in one suitcase, a bunch of boxes and trash bags. Oh my God. Uh, it worked for me. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that was so bad. Suitcases from Goodwill. Yeah. I mean, better than nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> better than a trash bag. <laughs> I still find myself using trash bags now though to throw things into and I'm like what mm-hmm. am I doing I have I have bags I have an abundance of bags I don't know why <laughs> trash bag um again trauma coming through it's just you're like oh that's the normal yeah you're so used to it <laughs> <laughs> what are some um coping skills besides the overstocking that you've developed from um being in foster care yeah um I mean I guess this is a typical one I if there's actually that's why if there's conflict I will fight you at first but then I'll <laughs> I'll, I'll um hide away so I I don't want to speak to you I don't want to see you I will go um close myself in in my room and just not speak um oh for like a little bit it's a bad one but it's it's something that's trauma and I'm working through it but it definitely annoys my husband <laughs> I'm like leave me alone I don't want to be talked to I don't want to be touched I just I need to be quiet so I need to be <laughs> away from everything and everyone yeah felt it. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one um yeah uh, what else do I do sorry let me think <laughs> take your time you don't fully think about what you do until you're asked I guess yeah because it's one of those conscious things that you just do without thinking about it yeah 100 percent apparently zoom has time limits now so we have nine minutes (laughs) oh that's weird are you allowed to restart it um I don't know (laughs) If not, I can restart it. Um, I say I just feel like I hoard everything. <laughs> I'm just like looking around stuff. And I'm like, wow, yeah. I have a bunch <laughs> of cables that in a box. I don't even know what each of them are for. I just save every little thing that we get. Um, mm-hmm. I have a drawer of receipts <laughs> that I'm never going to look at. I don't know why I keep them um I feel like that's just the thing because I never had things things yeah so it's the idea of just having stuff yeah and my dad the other day he was cleaning out his closet and I I've kept a lot of stuff in his closet um because obviously my, my room's being used for another foster kid um and <laughs> I had a huge bag of stuffed animals still and he was like do you still want these I'm like yeah of course you can't throw those away 
Um, <laughs> but they're at home and, and you're, you're in Alberta. <laughs> like, when are you going to get them? Like, probably never, but you can't get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> I've never felt something more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are things that you do? Um, I feel like I, I isolate myself a lot. Because I just, I like being on my own. Yeah, me too. I also write, like, everything. Everything that happens, I write it down. I'm like, nice. I will remember that. <laughs> <laughs> like, if someone wrongs me, it's probably in a journal somewhere. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but never forget. <laughs> I forget to eat. That's another one. Just because I was so used to not having, like, stuff like that. Yeah. I just, I just forget to eat don't do it I think I overeat (laughs) that's my when I get it when we get a snack in the house I need to eat it all at once because I think it's gonna go away (laughs) I do the opposite (laughs) I used to go so many days without eating that I can just like I'll go like a few days like last week I was in LA for the week and I think I went like three days without eating and then I forgot that I hadn't (laughs) oh my god (laughs) <laughs> and oh, then like no. my friend was asking me when the last time I ate was and I was like I really cannot answer that. I don't know check again on you that's so nice <laughs> oh yeah my friend group is the best thing that ever happened to me good coming out of foster care oh I have another one I make friends online instead of like friends in person yeah because it's more consistent for me fair I like that I think that's about it there's probably more. I just don't think about it. <laughs> yeah, no, that one makes so much sense because we're constantly like we're so used to moving all the time, right? And and you're just, which is so funny mm-hmm. for me because I, I I move I move a lot now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking about it the other day, and I'm like, I don't want to move anymore. I just I want to like actually get a house and just settle. I don't, mm-hmm. don't want to live everywhere, but the travel bug in me is like, yes, you do. (laughs) I'm like, foster kid in me is no, (laughs) stay, stay standard. (laughs) Yeah. I feel, I feel the same. I don't think I'll stay in one place for long. Yeah. I want to move to um, Missouri and start working on the foster system there because it's a mess. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, Missouri and Texas. I'm like, how do you guys even exist as a foster system? Especially <laughs> Texas. Oh, that would be a, a hard one, I think. There are so many things that they just miss on. How did you miss that? Oh, for sure. Like, you think you're helping, but you're really, like, hurting people. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Congrats. <laughs> I'm like, dang. There's going to be an overflow of foster kids coming in soon. Oh, I know. Especially yeah. in America. Yeah. Yeah. Like you guys have y'all didn't plan this through. <laughs> that, honestly, like though, if the next election we all vote conservative, we're gonna be in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Like, it's people here think we're safe from it. We're not. Mm-hmm. Like it could a hundred percent happen here, and it's so scary. And I think that's why I I got so overwhelmed when Roe v. Wade got overturned in the States. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, it, it's going to happen here. And people are like, no, it's not. It's going to be, it's it's not going to happen. Trust me. Like, it's impossible. Um, <laughs> it's not. I have no idea what you're talking never about. Never say never. <laughs> never say never. <laughs> like, you got to listen to the foster kids. We, we know. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Like you're telling me that you think by making abortion illegal, it's going to stop abortions. And then I'm like, you also think that every single baby that comes out is going to get adopted? No, (laughs) no. (laughs) I had someone give me that argument. They're like, there's so many parents that want your baby. Um, And I was like, so so gross. But like, who cares? My, it's not my responsibility to give you give a them, Yeah. Like, if I don't want it, I don't want it. Like, it's it's not up to you. <laughs> There's so many other reasons that people like need like abortion. Like abortion is healthcare. It is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and there was, I forget what state it was, but there was a whole um, ceremony of the white coat doctors. They were just given their white coats during their ceremonies. And um the university decided to have an anti-abortion speaker come to a doctor event. <sighs> Mind blown. But anyways, all the white coats, they walked out. <laughs> they walked out. And I was like, yeah, great. Our future generation of doctors, everyone. This is, this is fantastic. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. All right. We got two minutes and 30 seconds. So is there anything <laughs> you want to finish saying? <laughs> Um, no I don't know all right Uh, yeah it's giving it good (laughs) (laughs) have more more questions or anything and I think I'm good on my end (laughs) are you trying to keep them shorter now (laughs) um no I usually just let them go I've never had zoom tell me that I was like having a meeting like limit I was like oh okay. weird <laughs> yeah, the top of it says 40 minutes so I guess like there was a time time frame yeah probably should probably <laughs> fix that at some point oh wow <laughs> you can always pick up whenever too if you mm-hmm. um, want more um, details for it I'm easy <laughs> I'll message you and we can do a part two Sounds good. Yeah. (laughs) All right. It was nice meeting you. Yeah. You as well. Yeah. Keep in contact. Of course. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye.